Good morning. Welcome to each one to God's house this morning. Thank you for each one that has shared so far. The goodness of God, do we see it? But it's not always in physical things. You know, the places that Mary was talking about, is God good there too? God is always good. Thank you, Brad, for sharing. God bless you in that, reaching out to minister in that way as well. Well, I'm sorry I don't have a Father's Day message. I disappoint some of you. Um, That wasn't what I'd been thinking about and meditating on. Um, been after me for a long time to have a message, and so uh, didn't never thought about it. Could be in Father's Day, so thank you, Tyler, for filling in for me um, and sharing a children's lesson there. I did want to say that with fathers, I think the, the example you set will probably speak the loudest to your children. There will be many other influences, I'm sure, but the example that you set is probably what they will pick up the most. Spend time with them. Involve them in what you do. If you have young children with you, it doesn't last very long. Like Dale Heisey said, our children's concept of God is formed by us as fathers. So I will cheat a little bit here and uh, read something here on fathers from um, that Frank Reed wrote. Fathers and hearts. Turning the hearts of the fathers to the children... And the hearts of the children to the fathers, Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Fathers, what can you do? Be a father who has the fear of the Lord in his heart. Love the mother of your children. Treat all persons with respect. Lovingly train your children in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Take time to explain what is right and what is wrong and why and why. Live a life of absolute integrity. Children develop their concept of God from their father's training. Children become teachable because they have been trained. Children develop self-worth and value because they are valued. Children develop fear of the Lord in their hearts if fathers fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Children can develop a healthy approach to life and relationships. We have many teachers, but not many fathers. Should we bow our heads for prayer? Father, we do thank you for being able to gather this morning. Thank you for what's been shared already this morning. Thank you for your word that you've given to us to guide us and to direct us and to
this. Thank you. We can look into it this morning. As you would help me to be able to share uh, what you've given, that would be able to minister to each one's heart here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a picture in my mind of a large group of people gathered together to get something that was offered for free on a certain day. Word spread quickly and many people came with something they needed for life. What did they come for? Last week when I was working outside, sometimes I would need to come in for something I desperately needed. What was it? Just on Thursday, I finished planting beans, and I had to put them in two inches deep, which is very deep for beans. Why? We are running out of something that is essential for life. What is it? Someone give an answer. Water. Water is essential for life. The first example there that I shared was in the village of Iruna where people need to carry the water home in buckets. Uh, Mary mentioned about people having to go for water. When you have to carry your water, you realize how valuable it is. And you're a little more careful with it, realize how precious it is. Here we take it, we just have it so easy to open the tap, and there it is. It's not that way everywhere. There the village people had dug a new ditch, and a new water line was put in from the existing tower to bring it to another part of the village, And so they offered free water the first day, and people came. Oh, that people would be that desperate for free living waters from Jesus Christ. The second example there I gave, working out in the hot sun, we can't go without water for very long. Some of those days I was thinking of some of you that really work out in the heat. And how it must have been for you some of those hot days. We need water for life. Uh, the beans I was planting, um, about a week ago, it was so wet that the seed slot didn't close, which means it was too wet. A few days later, the ground was so dry that some places those beans would not germinate in, in other spots in the same field. Without water, things can change, deteriorate, very quickly. This morning, I've titled the message, Water of Life. First of all, let's look in the Old Testament, some examples. Turn to Exodus 17. The Old Testament um, usually refers to God as being the source. The New Testament more refers to Jesus. Um, They're both God, just different parts. So Exodus 17, verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin and their journeys according to the commandments of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? 
And the people thirsted for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is it that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. The Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. Thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Here the people were desperate. They had a need. They realized they were out of water. They were out in the wilderness. They didn't have water. They weren't too happy about it. Murmuring against Moses. Moses said they're about ready to stone me. They realized they needed water badly. So God told Moses what to do. He told Moses to smite the rock with his staff and water came out of it for the people. God provided in the wilderness water from a rock to meet the needs of his people. Then later in, in Numbers chapter 20, the children of Israel were again out of water. And God provided water out of a rock for them. Again, this is an Old Testament type of Jesus Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. This refers to back to the Old Testament passage. First Corinthians ten one to three. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat. Okay, verse four. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of the spirit, that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. God provided for them. And that is a type of what Jesus is for us. Uh, Turn to Psalm 36. Psalm 36, verses 79. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life, and thy light 
we see light. For with thee is the fountain of life. It doesn't really say water here, but generally think of a fountain as being being water bubbling up and providing life. Okay, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah 44, start reading verse 1. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. They shall spring up as among the grass, and as willows, by the water courses. God is saying he will provide for Israel, his people. He will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And that stood out for me there, the next part of that verse. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. God's water does not get all. There's enough there for our children as well. The water of God brings life, brings growth. Verse 4 says, They shall spring up among the grasses as willows by the water. You know, when there's a, it gets dry and things begin to dry up and die. Those things that are growing beside the water are usually things that keep growing and stay green and survive and thrive. Isaiah 55. Very familiar passage. Isaiah 55, starting in verse 1. How every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, Come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David." O oh, everyone that thirsteth, a keen sense of need. I think sometimes for us, part of our problem is we don't realize how much we need God. We don't realize that without Him, we cannot survive. Come ye to the waters. That sounds like abundance to me. Here, God's offer of mercy uh, seems to be referring to to Jesus, the time when Jesus was going to come. Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah 
Jeremiah 2, 11 to 13. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid, and be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and mewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Israel had forsaken God, which was the source of the living water they needed. They had gone from God and needed to repent. We sang the song this morning. The writer says, I tried the broken cisterns, but all the waters failed. Now none but Christ can satisfy. There's love and life and lasting joy. Let's learn from the testimony of others and not have to try it ourselves. Okay, let's go on to look at some verses in the New Testament. Turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Hear about the Samaritan woman. You start reading at verse 5. Talking about Jesus. Then he cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour, or about noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me a drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, Thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. The water that I shall give him, Jesus uh, referring to um, the gospel, to himself, salvation, the soul that accepts the gospel. You contrast that to 
dry ground that is parched and sure probably most of you have seen ground that's so dry it cracks open and um, hardly anything growing. That's all the way our soul is without God. Maybe seeking happiness and things, things the world has to offer, and it doesn't satisfy. Nothing meets its desires. May seek for joy and wealth or pleasures, and yet it just doesn't satisfy. Always looking for some new enjoyment. To such a weary and unsatisfied sinner, the grace of Christ is as cold water to a thirsty soul. You take this water, you shall never thirst again. It satisfies. The person who is satisfied with Christ will not desire the pleasures and sins of the world. It says it shall be in him, in the heart. A well of water, a constant supply. Um, Dale Heise used the example of a huge warehouse of taking things out for 10,000 years and there's still as much inventory as before. It's a little the way the um, living water is from God. It's an unending supply. Springing up. Contrast that to just a stagnant dead pool. But springing up, a fountain you know, a flowing fountain that keeps things fresh and, and alive. Amid changes, circumstances, all different kinds of circumstances, it still continues to spring up and nourish and give life. Unto everlasting life, it's not temporary. It's something that continues on continues on. And the woman says, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She missed the point. She was still thinking about physical water. She was still thinking about not having to come there by every day and get water. She didn't. Get what Jesus was talking about. John 6.35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Let's continue on here in John 4. Pick up where we left off there at verse 16. And Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he with whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. 
Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe thou me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We worship what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. In verse 16, Jesus addressed her sin. She tries to switch the subject to worship in verse 19. But we see Jesus in verse 23. He comes back and says, True worshipers shall worship in spirit and in truth. Acting on truth is also required. John 3:21. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. John 17:17. 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Then verse 29, she went back and told the people in the village to come and see a man which told me all things I ever did. Is not this the Christ? I think she was convicted of her sin. And then many of the Samaritans believed on Jesus. Jesus knew how to have the proper balance of mercy and truth. Often we tend to get out of balance one way or the other. It's not one or the other, but both. Just a few verses that I have here then on on mercy and truth. Uh, Psalm 85.10. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Psalm 86, 15. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Proverbs 3.3 3. 
Proverbs 3.3. 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and men. Proverbs 16, verse 6. Proverbs 16, verse 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And 2 John, verse 3. 2 John, verse 3. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Numerous verses that talk about how mercy and truth go together, need to work together. Also think of Jesus as being full of grace and truth in the proper balance as well. John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, we beheld his glory, the glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now let's look a little bit at water and life. Uh, from God's Word. We'll come back to the water of life part again a little bit later. We'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians five twenty-five to 27. <clears throat> Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. Here we see it talks about um, water as having uh, a washing effect, and here it's referring to the word of God. The Word of God having a washing and a cleanse, cleansing effect um, on our lives. That's one of the things that uh, water can do. Cleanse and clean. Okay, let's go back to John again. John 5. Verse 39, John 5, 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. That was Jesus saying that, that we should search the scriptures because they tell of Jesus which is who we have eternal life by him. 
The scriptures tell us how to have life through Jesus. Do I want real life? If I do, study God's word. I heard that uh, Warren Buffett credits his success to reading 500 pages a day. That's hard for the average American to do when they spend 600 hours a year on social media and 1,600 hours a year on TV. Okay, we don't do that. But how much time do I spend on unnecessary things? Let's, let us keep the Bible on the top of our reading list. Yes, there's an abundance of Christian books out there. But be careful that we be not deceived and get off course. When I get up in the morning, it's the most important thing to do to check my phone, see what from messages I got from people. Or is it more important for me to, first of all, check God's word and get the message he has for me for the day? I'm often challenged. Um, with that thought. Am I looking to the Word of God for answers? Or to the internet, social media? Where am I feeding? Do I spend more time being influenced by brothers and sisters in the church? Or from other sources outside with the technology that we have? Turn to Deuteronomy 17. Verse 18. Deuteronomy 17, 18 to 20. God's instruction to Israel, Israel's future king. It shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book. And out of that which is before the priests of the Levites, it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and to keep all the words of this law and these statutes, to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and they turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. The king was supposed to keep God's law with him, close by, handy, that he may learn. He was supposed to read it, that he could learn from it, that he could keep the words and the statutes that God had given. I think it was mentioned in tent meetings, God's instructions that he has given are for our good, for our benefit. I had to think of the thirst of a new believer. I think it was um, Mama Lay. They had said about spending a lot of time reading. I think it was God's Word, unless it was a Bible story book. I'm not sure which. Um, I know Mama Galante, and she became a Christian, wanted to read God's Word. Do we have that same thirst for God's Word as what we often see in a new Christian?
maybe a boyfriend, a girlfriend, um, they get a letter. Okay, maybe not a letter. You just don't know what letters are anymore. Um, are you too busy to read it? Don't have time. Read it later. Does dad have to say, you really ought to read that? Or do you have to set up a reading schedule so it happens? That's not the way it works. You love somebody, you want to read what you got from them. Do I love God enough that I want to read His Word that He's given? Do I have a desire for that? Do I have a thirst for that? A hunger for that? Or do I feel like I have to read it? I know sometimes we get busy in responsibilities of life and we don't. Something demands our attention as soon as we're up and, and we don't always have a chance um, to drink from the Word like we'd like. But when we get a chance, do we really drink deeply? You know, those hot days not working and run out of water. When you come back in, you gulp it down. When we become dry from not reading God's Word enough, do we have to indulge ourselves in it till we get enough to replenish us? Or I had to think, when we really go without water for a long time, we need an extra dose of something like Gatorade to get us going again. Um, do we ever get to that point that we're so dry that we need to spend an extended amount of time in God's Word or listening to messages or something to charge us back up again? Turn to Psalm 119, verse 11. Actually, it started at verse 9. <clears throat> Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. O oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Memorize God's word. I wish I would have done more when I was younger. Many of the verses I know are the ones I learned when I was younger. Put forth the effort to memorize God's word so you have it. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Here, I guess the word of God is being, um, talking about being a, a lamp or a light. Um, I've been planting uh, beans or, and corn, as I said. In some of the conditions I've been planting in, I can hardly see where I'm going, especially like at night. Sometimes about the only way I can see where I'm going is looking in my rearview mirror and see a uh, chain hanging on the side of the corn planter, I can just see the, the row where I went. But looking out ahead, I can't see it. 
So I have to try and drive a course down through the field by watching behind me. It's not real easy. With God's word, we don't have to do that. We don't have to go through life and, oh, this happens. Oh, okay, well, I should do this or whatever. We have God's word. It can give us, there's some things that can tell us what will happen when we do certain things. We don't have to um, try and chart a course in life by watching behind us. John 7.37 says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. As we go to Jesus and drink, then that will in turn flow out of our lives and can be a a testimony to others. You can turn to Revelation 7, future water of life. Revelation 7, 9. Now we're looking forward to what has not happened as yet, something that's in the future. Revelation 7, 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Then come down to verse 17. That just gives the context there in verse 9. Verse 17. For behold, the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Here we see Jesus, the Lamb, leading the redeemed to living fountains of water. Revelation 21, verse 1, 1 to 6. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely.
Revelations 22, verse 1. 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And he's going to talk about the tree of life and, and so on. The tree beside it, bearing fruits, um, leaves for the healing of the nation, and so on. Revelation 22, verse 17. Verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. The water of life free. Conclusion, the water of life that Jesus gives us is clean, pure, and refreshing. You contrast that to the intoxicating drink of the world. We're starting to get a lot of um, glass beer bottles along our property. That drink corrupts. It brings trouble. It brings fightings. It brings sorrow. But the water of life that Jesus gives is clean, pure, refreshing. Brings life in abundance. Turn to John chapter 4, verse 14. Read that again. John four fourteen. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. In John 6.35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. In John 14.6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. A few more Old Testament verses here I'll read yet of how our God can bring water in a desert. Isaiah 35, 6. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. Isaiah 41, 18. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys, I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Isaiah 43, end of verse 19. I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. May we look to God and his word to provide the water we desperately need.
First Thessalonians 3.12 And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. God bless you.